Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991. From the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched A Kiss Before Dying. John, and thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. In A Kiss Before Dying, Matt Dillon plays Jonathan Corliss, a university student dating Dorothy, played by Sean Young, the daughter of a rich copper manufacturer. When a surprise pregnancy threatens her inheritance, Jonathan kills her and makes it look like a suicide. Dorothy's twin sister, Ellen, doesn't believe it and is determined to find out the truth with the help of her boyfriend, Jay, who is actually Jonathan. Screenplay by James Dearden, directed by James Dearden, and released on April 26, 1991. Have you seen this before? No, I haven't. Me either. So this is another one. Yeah. Uh, this one, I know I definitely have not seen it. Like the last, like other people's money and maybe Double Impact, I was kind of iffy about it. Yeah. But this one, I know I did not see. I know the box art. I know the box cover quite well from working at a video store. And I I, I think the box is better than the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, looking at this box, I'm like, ooh, this yeah. is going to be good. It's intriguing. It, like, yeah. Okay, so it's like basically like a stark black background. You got Matt Dillon behind Sean Young, who's wearing evidently like some sort of black outfit that's blending into the background. And it's like a plunging neckline that basically turns her flesh into a knife that he's like holding right so i mean you'll see it like if you see the preview image of the episode you'll see the box art but right yeah and then you know i love erotic thrillers so i was kind of excited to see this right and no it didn't work (laughs) it didn't really work no um um, throughout this we're also going to be talking about the original movie from 1956 um comparing the two i think it's since we've seen them both i think it's impossible for us to not compare them as we go through this yeah uh both i think should be mentioned are based off of a book by Ira levin or levine i'm not sure which one um this was his first novel yes but he went he went on to write rosemary's baby stepper wives and sliver Yes. <laughs> the, uh, the gist of the type of material that we're looking at is basically, it's really like Pulp Fiction-y, you know? Mm-hmm. Like not, not 1994 Pulp Fiction, but like the actual Pulp Fiction of like the 50s and yeah. the 60s and the time. Yeah, I've never read any of his books, but I mean, I've seen all the movies that are based off the books, the ones that have been made. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to read these books now. Like, it. I, I mean, kind of want to read this book more to n- know if this was a better... I'm usually a book is better than the movie type of person anyways. Yeah, I think most people are. I, I'm I'm not a reader, like, at all. I just don't have the time or patience for it. So, it's not that I don't think the movies are better than the books. It's just that I'd rather 
invest less time on a movie that might be a little bit subpar versus Mm -hmm. spending hours, days, weeks on the same story through a book. Because I'm so slow with that. Mm. Um, But, I mean, it might be worthwhile to find out, you know, what, which movie got right in these. Because I think if you combine the two movies, you might have a better... I think overall experience. The first one did a better job with the like um just I did like a quick glance at the plot of the book and just to compare how the movie this movie is to the book. And I think the first movie is a little bit closer. Okay. To the book, but the way that both the first movie from the 50s and then this movie from the 90s the way it ends is not how it ends in the book and when we were watching the trailer for this 1991 version there was a part in the trailer where they're in the copper the copper factory factory yeah, yeah. that is in the book yeah, so if, if you happen to see the trailer before watching yeah. the movie, <laughs> well, there are some scenes the that trailer, are not. Well, we can the trailer, sure, if you want on the yeah, website. If I can find, yeah, if I can find a version of it, I'll add the trailer in there. But yeah, there's there's scenes that do not appear in the final movie. Yeah, because we usually we watch the movie first, and then we watch the trailer. Yeah. Just to be like, oh, let, now let's Avoid see. Avoid spoilers. The, yeah. Yeah. Which was good, because <laughs> if we watched the trailer first, we'd be like, well, where was that entire one minute of them in the copper factory yeah i i think i even said to you like did i miss something like was i looking away from well because then i even <laughs> looked I at well then i because I, I was kind of like not paying i started to like we're taking our notes and looking things up as we watch yeah sometimes, and so we're but not then always... i'm also like really getting annoyed with this movie so yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, near the end, we're sort of checking out a little bit, yeah, too. Yeah, I started to check out sometimes, so I was like, did I miss it? Yeah. But then, I don't remember any scene of being in a copper, any sort of factory. Yeah, and so what ended up happening is that's the original ending to the movie that just did not test well, and so they reshot it and, and gave us the ending that we'll talk about later in the episode. Which I don't even know... Which is better? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, we'll go, we'll get yeah. there, I guess. The movie was leading up into the the whole idea of them going to the factory, so it was that's like a what it sounded. Yeah, yeah, a complete one eighty from what the movie's dialogue was leading towards, but whatever. Um, before we even get there, I think it's interesting to mention that like this movie starts off with Jonathan meeting Dorothy um, at the municipal building to get their marriage license yeah and like immediately kills her in like basically the first scene yeah that's where i was like oh we're starting off here which is in the first movie that's like that happens halfway halfway through yeah but then i thought oh is this gonna do a flash forward you know how they're gonna show him kill her but then do a before how they met type of thing and mm. what led up what to led him up to the death. Yeah. Well, killing her. But no. no. <laughs> it starts off with him killing her and then going on. Yeah, it starts off with a, a pretty unmotivated 
what seems to be a pretty unmotivated killing. There's very vague dialogue of, oh, have you told anybody? Yeah. And, and stuff like that. And then, yeah, they're on the roof of the municipal building because the, the marriage license place is closed, which he knew she didn't because she trusted him at the time. And to kill time until the office opened, they went up to the roof. And then, um, yeah, he drops her over the ledge or uh, lifts her legs up and, like, basically gives her a little... <laughs> Little heave ho toss, right? Um, that was so, and then her death was surprising. It was graphic. It, it reminded me of uh, the original Suspiria. Oh, okay, yeah. Because she's like through falling the, through the glass and yeah, stuff, glass, and like yeah. it's pretty graphic. And like the camera like follows her body as she's down falling, yeah. as she's falling, and then you see the splat come out from underneath her, like right when she lands. Um, so well, it's yeah, very much sh- like yeah. the original Suspiria. They show her go scene. through the glass, and mm-hmm. you see her react from the glass. Yeah. As she's falling, because she hits glass, she goes, <gasps> like, she yeah. is startled that she hit glass. Like, wouldn't you be startled that you're falling? I don't know. Maybe she <laughs> thought that was, like, the ground, and then oh. it wasn't the ground. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, look, Sean Young... <laughs> Who played Dorothy and Ellen? Uh, not a good performance. So it's really tough to. Th- that's say. what I started thinking. I was like, because I remember Sean Young growing up and thinking she was a great actress. Yeah, no, in general, <laughs> yes. In this movie, not at all. But she's. But also Matt Dillon. Same. Yeah. Because, I mean. Neither of them were good in this movie. And they were in good movies prior to this. Yeah. With good roles. Fantastic careers up to this point. We can... Yeah. uh, If you want to quickly go over it, I guess we could do... Sean Young was in Stripes, Blade Runner, Wall Street before this. After this, she had a very notable role in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And then weirdly, she went on to do like a 45 episode arc of Young and the Restless down the line. But that was like beyond her you know i did not know that her uh end of of mainstream hollywood exposure she got labeled as like being extremely difficult or whatever oh whether or not that was worthwhile i don't know but and then you have matt dillon who had uh outsiders and drugstore cowboy before this and like did singles right after this and Mm -hmm. um we know, you know, from Wild Things and something about Mary, and then also had Oscar Golden Globe nomination for Crash, which I haven't seen and I kind of don't want to, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen uh, that and I never want to see it. I know, it's I don't care. One of, whatever. Anyway. Um, it's like a green book situation, so. So, um, yeah, a very undeserving win from what, mm. I, what we constantly hear. But yeah, they they you know they were in good movies and they provided very good performances and and movies up to this point and this was just garbage. Yeah. Um. But that death scene was cool and so it kind of started out was promising. Yeah, from, uh, the from that. the death I was like, oh okay, we're going there. Like this is yeah. graphic. Yeah, it was it was nice to see that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's nice <laughs> to see these graphic deaths. How nice. Um, I think it's just interesting to see that, um, yeah, the R-rated version of, of this 1956 movie, which 
didn't show anything, really. Yeah, I I mean... And re- that's understandable. Yeah, because it's 19... 19- I was reading up even about that movie. It was very scandalous for her to even say that she was pregnant mm. during that time. Yeah, I can but, understand that. But that also probably means that it makes sense that she meets her end because... She's pregnant. The bad people, quote unquote, have to, you know, under the Hayes Code, have to, you know, Mm. have their punishment. And so. (laughs) But I'm also, we can also say that this movie reminds us, I guess, Mm -hmm. a lot of A Place in the Sun. Yeah. Which we watched that movie a couple months ago. So when we were. We were watching the first movie from 1956. I was like, this is a lot like the same type of plot as A Place in the Sun. Yeah, it's like a poorly acted Place in the Sun, the 1956 version. Because there's bad acting in both. From, yeah, Robert Wagner and Virginia Leaf, who played I Ellen, will say and that, Woodward, who played well, the original. Yeah, I will say that. I actually prefer the first movie over the second if we had to compare. Yes. I, I and I mainly like the sister, the one Oh, Ellen? Yeah, the one that lives, I guess. Yeah, Virginia Leaf. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just like the way that the story went. Um I thought they handled the reveals of new information better mm-hmm. in the original. Um it shows it's i mean it's very noir which i like and then it shows you know like a girl detective the yeah. this woman is doing the work you're right and i know in the 1991 movie Sean Young who plays the living sister as well is sort of doing that but not in a good way i don't like <laughs> She, yeah, like she, like, not, stumbles into clues a bit more. She, she's not as, um... She's not as sleuthy. Yeah, I guess. It's just... She kind of... Yeah, she stumbles into clues where it's, like... In the first movie, it made me feel as if that sister was really trying hard to find out that her sister was killed. Because I can tell that she was maybe grieving more. In this 91 movie, it seems as if this sister, Ellen, in the 91 one, mm. it's like, oh, my sister's dead. Yeah, and I think honestly a lot of that has to do with Sean Young's performance. Because she is so dry and lifeless. It's in the entire yeah, thing. and she she was like, oh, I gotta find out who killed my sister because I think someone killed her. Yeah, it's type of thing. But very she lazy doesn't deliveries. Just yeah, show emotion. No, not at all. Um, except Even... for I guess when she's dying as Dorothy and <laughs> yeah, it, it's okay. Which is a better dual role? We got. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, God. <laughs> as the, you know, the, the two brothers. Or you have Sean Young, whose only difference is... The hair. hair. versus brown hair. And, yeah, I mean... Ugh. 
I think Jean-Claude is a better dual role. Yeah. But maybe that's because we don't see Dorothy except for that one scene. Yeah. But even still. Yeah. <laughs> even that, like, the she was wearing, like, a it was very obvious that she was wearing a blonde wig. Mm-hmm. Like, the hair was very... It looked like an actual mop was placed <laughs> yeah. atop her head. Yeah. And then the dress that she wore to get married i was like is this 90s fashion it could be well but, it was supposed to what take place in 87 at that time or something okay like that. so i don't but know either i don't because i i mean anymore. they the beginning shows her coming out of class mm-hmm. and then she goes to the store she buys a nice dress and shoes and um no, she's she dresses up in her dorm room and her friend's like, oh, you must be meeting your secret guy. And she's like, no, I'm meeting my father. But it looks as if she were to meet her father because she's wearing, looks like a business suit to me. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, she's actually going to go get married to this guy. Yeah. It was, it's all In this weird. business suit thing. Yeah, I don't remember the outfit all that much. I, I always pay attention to <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I guess the 50s one was just classier. But I don't, I, I know we're trying, this is like comparing 50s fashion to like 80s, 90s fashion. Right, yeah, it's gonna have that extra bit of esteem and class probably just over the top and like it has like structured shoulder pads and sure yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but i mean that's how we get introduced to the movie basically oh actually there is one other shot uh pre that yeah where (laughs) there's like a preamble like it's above the credits i guess where they're looking at the carlson copter copper factory the carlson copper factory um so you see like shots of workers you see like the the flames and the molten copper and everything and you see like this model train coming from the set um and then like i mean it's not supposed to be a model train coming from a set but you can tell that it is um and then you see this little boy looking out the window at the trains that are passing by and he's like i don't know is he supposed to be angry is he supposed to be he's just staring at the train admiring them it's tough to tell, but um, that is evidently, you know, that's supposed the to be young, Jonathan yeah. as a kid seeing these Carlson Copper Factory that, trains going he's past like, his I mean, in his bur- young boy's brain, is he's like, I'm going to own these trains one day or what? Yeah, and I don't know if that means like, oh, these trains mean someone have money and I want to have the money. Or is it, I want to infiltrate these people because they ruined my life with these trains going past my house all the time. Yeah. You don't really understand fully in this movie. Yeah. In the original, they don't have the train scene. We just know that Robert Wagner wants to be rich and he's using the daughters to get to the family fortune. Yes. Which that makes sense. Less obvious, especially when you have the death right at the beginning. Yes, there is no explanation of this boy staring out no. at the trains. He's just doing it. And He's then all of a sudden, it. the movie begins. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, he could have said, Matt Dillon or Jonathan Corliss could have said in some point in the movie saying, I always wanted to own 
own a train company or, or like, something. Like, as a boy, I grew up near the train tracks, and I noticed that this company made or have this a quick copper. Line, yeah, I don't know. Have a quick line of dialogue with your mom saying, like, oh, someday I'm going to own that factory, mom. Right, or yeah. something like that, you know? There's your, there's your like, motivation. Like, hey, mom, remember that train that went by our house every day? And still does. Uh, yeah, and so I'm going to own it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's nice, son. Like, I don't know. Like, something as simple as that would have, like, helped a little bit. Right. But, he doesn't. Yeah. We just know him as just wanting to be rich. Right. And he knows that his girlfriend comes from... A rich family. At least we assume that's what he wants because we saw the original movie. Yeah, if you're we seeing this from scratch, I don't think I would have even got the He's idea. He's just that he killing to be people rich. left and right to get to work. Because once he gets to what he wants, I guess. Yeah. He works in the office building for that company. Right. He eventually does get to work for the dad. Carlson, Thor Carlson, uh, played by Max von Sydow. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, it seems like he pretty much has what he wants. And at that point, I think the, the issue is that he's just trying to cover up his tracks from because like, his... tie up the loose ends because yeah. his wife is still investigating. Yeah. And, you know, he wants to get away with it. So I think it's a little bit different at that point. But it's not too clear that what he really wanted was the money. There's a couple of conversational pieces after... Um, oh, by the way, Jonathan gets married to uh, Alan. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Um, we're kind of skipping around a little bit, and we'll explain how that happens in a minute, I guess. But um, but yeah, they, they have a couple of conversations where they're, you know he becomes more about money than what she had originally thought. Um, but aside from that, there's really not much indication that that's his full motive. So, and why it has to be that company explicitly is never explained. Like, why not just try to find another heiress that doesn't have right. a connection to the like, person you killed? Yeah. So, um, other than looking at the train. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Um... So Dory's dead. Dorothy slash Dory, for short, is dead. Uh, Matt Dillon's flipping burgers, um, and then he hitchhikes to New York at six months later. Um, he's hitching a ride with a guy named Jay... Faraday. Faraday. Uh, played by Adam Horowitz, also known as Ad Rock from Beastie Boys. Uh, who had a small acting career around that time and then kind of stopped doing side acting gigs for a while until while we're young in 2014. Um, but we'll see him again in another 1991 movie called Long Road Home. Anyway, uh, Adam Horowitz is there uh, picking him up, explaining his life story, that his parents died in a plane crash, and that he's an orphan, and whatever, and uh, next time we see Matt Dillon's character, he has taken that identity of Jay Faraday. Yes, and it it's assumed that he killed Yeah, it's that assumed guy. that he killed Jay, because we don't ever see him again, aside from that one and scene. And takes his identity. Right. 
but we don't know for sure. Um, but he uses that identity, identity to meet Alan, who is Dorothy's sister, also played by Sean Young, with the dark hair, um, who's working at a place called Castle House, which is basically a home for like troubled youth, or you know, like a, a shelter for homeless or whatever. Yeah, it's that's what I was wondering. For helping people. Yeah. I was wondering, I mean, was she legal aid for them or was she like... probably helped find legal aid if they needed to like we see them going around town and like dropping off food to people who are on the streets right um providing shelter and saying hey if you need a place to stay our place is open 24 hours come here and you know sleep it off or do whatever they're you know they know prostitutes and junkies and whatever and they're just trying to help however they can so yeah i think it's sort of like an all-purpose thing and they have that's what I, I was still trying whatever. to find what her actual job was. Yeah, I don't know the title or anything, obviously, but it's well, just like, was like she, yeah. That, I was like, oh, is she a social worker? Like a legal aid person? Mm-hmm. Because she did say she went to Columbia and then her sister went to University of Penn. Pennsylvania. Yeah, which is where they met. Which <clears throat> is where... Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Corliss no, met right. Dorothy. And then I think Jonathan Corliss and Dorothy, they were in law school because when Ellen went to go back to talk to Dorothy's friend from college. Mm-hmm. Patricia. Yes. Didn't she say that it was a guy that worked in the legal library. That's who she was dating before Jonathan. I don't know if they said for sure that they were in law school or not. I don't know. That's why I was like, is this, so were they in law school? So she was dating somebody who worked the library or was dating a law student or maybe, yeah, all three of them were law students together. I don't know. Ellen is helping people and is less concerned about material goods and money. Yeah, even though when when these homeless people or sex workers get, you know, in jail or whatever, she does bail them out Mm -hmm. with, like, her family money. Yeah, or if, like, they had to take one to the hospital and she pays for the hospital bills because, you know, she has the money and it's meant for other people. It's not meant for her. Mm -hmm. And at the start, Jay slash Jonathan, I guess I'll just start calling him Jay at this point, um is on that same side because he's trying to infiltrate and get with Ellen so that he yes. can marry her and get into the, the family fortune. And so he's altruistic and working at that same place and driving the van with her and everything until they get married. And then he starts to get into the copper side of things and takes a job with the dad. I don't know how much it matters that we talk about this, but... There were other tragedies within the Carlson family, right? So Dorothy mm-hmm. died. The mother also died before the movie started, apparently from a suicide. Yeah, because she was cheating on the father. She was cheating on the father, supposedly. And then the brother died in an automobile accident at some point as well. And so there's this Carlson curse or whatever. I thought for sure that one or both of those deaths would factor into the story somehow right and they didn't really 
the father finds out that Dorothy died. That Dorothy was pregnant. Yeah, when she they found out that she died, she was also pregnant. And then he's, like, victim-blaming and just, like, oh, well, she was just, like, your mother. She, she was, she, yeah. like, sleeping around. Yeah, she which, was a whore just like your mother, and he got very emotional about it. And that's as far as it went, I guess. And which, like, I don't know, forget this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really weird. And also, like, okay, so... Jay and Ellen are having a like a conversation about whether or not Jay should take the job with Thor. Mhm. And like they're debating the merits and all of a sudden like out of nowhere he like just brings up the fact that the mother had an affair. Like yeah. as part of that conversation. I'm like, "Well, what does that have to do with anything?" Like, why was that brought and up? And then she killed herself? Like Yeah, and like did she kill herself? Was she mur- like did was she? Did yeah. Did Jonathan have anything yeah. to do with like the the car accident with the the brother, or was that a fake suicide? Wouldn't you, too? Like, I don't know. I, don't know. Like, I, I mean, there'd if be more to it, and there was. If my mom, brother, and whoever sister, <laughs> sister, <laughs> yeah, my mom, brother, and sister died like within a year, I would be like in shambles. Well, I, I don't, don't think know. these are all within a year. Okay, but but I mean, still. Yeah, that's a lot of tragedy within one family, and it was, you know, over a... Yeah, I don't think it was a year, but it wasn't a a long stretch of time. I don't know, I just wish they factored into the actual plot and story. Because it just doesn't... They just... The the father obviously just doesn't give a shit that his wife and daughter died. No, not so much. Which, uh, uh, but he does whatever. show more emotion than the dad in the 1956 original. Yeah, and, I mean, it is they make said that he is that a he's... cold man, yeah. and it's very hard to please him and whatever, yeah. or get his, you know, blessing for anything. Yeah, in the original it's played by George McCready. Um, and again, here it's Max von Sydow, um, who was, you know, in like Seventh Seal and like almost every Ingmar Bergman film ever made um yeah so anyway we'll see him again a couple movies and he's actually in three 1991 movies besides this so we can talk about him more another time but yeah i mean the, the movie kind of moves fast like they get married pretty quickly they do a lot of jumps in time that aren't very obvious you know this yeah. progression and then like okay they're married then all of a sudden it's months later and then, like, it only picks up the story again when Ellen gets a new tip, like, about that law clerk fellow that Dorothy was dating. And so she goes to see him to try to figure out if that was, you know, if he was the killer. Mm-hmm. And Jay follows them and kills him and fakes his suicide. Yeah, writes a note on his computer that mirrored the one that Dorothy supposedly left at the, at her, at her, at her death plunge, um, indicating that they were connected after all. And that was also a very graphic looking death because he gets strangled with a belt and then they show him hanging from the ceiling with a very blue face yeah. afterwards. But all that happens basically within 10 minutes, basically like the guy, uh, takes Ellen and says, okay, I can't let you in because I have this landlady who won't let women into the, the room. I'm just going to grab my yearbook and come right back out. And then, like, within 10 minutes, Jay's, like, barged in, killed him, 
wrote the note and is out of there. Well, okay, then <laughs> so. the guy goes in to get this yearbook, but he doesn't go straight out. He looks at the yearbook. Like, he's turning the page slowly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why can't you go downstairs and turn the pages slowly with, right, with Sean with, Young? Exactly. Or Ellen. He's like, ooh, I got it. Run downstairs. Don't stand mm-hmm. at, like, your closet and then reminisce for ten minutes slowly yeah. turning pages. Yeah, it didn't make sense. Ellen thinks that that guy... Yeah, so they think the case is closed because they think he killed her. Actually, yeah, kill, killed, killed his sister because... And guilt after being They think it's out. like some... Yeah, kills himself because she was like, oh, well, I found him out. He killed himself because, you know, I was gonna, you know, catch him or something like that. Yep. So then she's okay with that. Yep, she's, she's like, okay, okay I found the killer. On to my life. Yeah, until Patricia comes through with another hint after she gets married to Jay. Mm-hmm. Um, Patricia is a college friend of Dorothy, um, played by Martha Gaiman, Gaiman um, who is also in the 1991 movie Father of the Bride, and also in the original FX, hmm. uh, and we'll be watching FX2 as part of this podcast at some point in the future. Um, anyway, Patricia says that she thinks she knows who actually was dating Dorothy most recently and she's in New York um so can she meet up uh and Jay is listening to this voicemail picks it up and intercepts the call uh and then goes to meet Patricia in the hotel yes and strangles her to death and he chops up her body yeah and then chops up her body did he bring tools I kind of missed that part, but he must have, I guess. Guess so. I mean, he, you see him with the luggage, and he just sh- shoves her back with the luggage. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that was her luggage that he just stuffed her into her own bags. No, he came in the door with a bag in oh, hand. Oh, but I thought that was hers because he said, oh, it's the bellman, or... Oh, okay, so like hop. her... Okay, so it was... She was expecting her bags to be brought up to her? Right. Okay. Because he just came in the door and pushed her with... With the bag. With the I, bag. I assumed it was her own bag that he was Oh, I thought with, he brought but... one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to have to have some sort of tools to cut through bone and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that they all... don't show that. They just... They show a bloody tub. Yeah. Him above a body, you know, obviously sawing back yeah. and forth. But we don't see body parts. No. We don't see him kill her. We just, all of a sudden... Well, we see him choke her to death. Yeah, but... The, okay, the he comes in... Okay, he comes in and chokes her. He chokes her on the bed The next scene is... And then the next You hear is, sawing, yes. and then they show him above... Like, it's an aerial shot of him above her. The tub is all bloody, and then you see him sawing her body into pieces. Yeah. It's, it's, How are you going to clean that up? That's a lot of fluids coming everywhere yeah i don't know and, and the weird thing is like when the cops do come around at some point okay so first off he he uh he dumps the suitcase off the bridge off the side of a bridge into the water um but yeah in terms of the cleanup side like when the but, cops come to investigate they're like we're investigating a missing person mm-hmm. like it's not an obvious death because he must have cleaned up that tub real good before he left they and then the 
the hotel isn't like the this woman was here and then all of a sudden she's not so now it's a missing person i guess and then i mean so before he drops her body off into the river he has to make this long haul with her dead body in this suitcase through this very busy mm-hmm. lobby yeah and, the and he's man. like, yeah, he's like rolling this ca- suitcase through all, like weaving through all these people. And then he goes through the door. The bellman's like, oh, let me help you with that. Yeah. And then he tries like, to no, pick no, it I up. And he's it. like, oh, do you have a dead body in here? Right. In like the one moment of brevity in the movie. I was like, oh, something's happening. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Then, and then I was like, I was like, I mean, that was a sp- suspenseful moment, I guess. Because what if that suitcase opened up? Right. Yeah, they didn't... Because you kind of see it bulging. They Yeah, they don't... They don't let you have those types of satisfaction. They don't have... They don't let you have that type of suspense. Yeah. This movie just plays it very straightforward mm-hmm. the whole time. They don't give you those little curveballs, unfortunately. Um, but the detectives come and meet with Ellen because... Patricia had her name and number in a diary that was left in the hotel, so he didn't clean up everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they knew that Patricia was supposed to come and meet Ellen. Ellen knew nothing about it, of course, but then, yeah, the uh, Jay knows he's still in trouble, I guess, in some form or fashion. And that uh, Ellen is now thinking that maybe her sister's murderer is not being caught after all so she's on the offensive looking for additional information jay's getting more worried but nothing really ever comes of it until um they're at a bar they're at a bar some guy from college recognized him yeah a guy he was flipping burgers with oh okay yeah a guy named terry dieter in the movie played by a guy named Jim Fife, who was the, uh, he was in the Frighteners, he was in Tanner 88, um, and also he was the, the jogging ghost in Ghostbusters 2 that checked his pulse. I don't hmm. know if you remember, like, he's, like, you know, like, pretending like yeah. he's running on a track, and then he, like, checks yeah, his okay. pulse, but he's a ghost, so. Huh. That's him. Same guy. Um, yeah, he, he identifies him as Jonathan. Yes. And Ellen doesn't know that name for this guy. He knows Jay. Um, and so, yeah, there's a confrontation and like, oh, you must have the wrong guy. And, you know, that typical everything you expect to happen happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, he's he's sort of made at that point. Jay is sort of made as Jonathan. And then Ellen learns the truth and tries to contact Jonathan's mother. The mom says that her son's been dead for three years. Ellen still goes to visit the mom. Uh, to talk about uh, her her dead son, Jonathan, find out that Jonathan walked out to sea and never came back. What? And supposedly, like, left his, you know, his own suicide note. I guess. Like, she, the mom doesn't even look into this. Never found a body, and she just assumed that the suicide note was real, just like the other like, people Like, hey, mom, I'm gonna go walk out to sea. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, but she kept the room as is, and so that allowed Ellen to look for clues, and she finds a suitcase with all the Carlson obsession and Dorothy's lighter, 
which was the real revelation he, yeah yeah item. i don't know why he didn't I don't know, yeah, keep why, it or why, hide it i don't know clean that stuff out of his room before pretending to walk off into sea i don't know it's it's or throw really, that into the sea yeah it's tough to say but um pretty much right after she finds the lighter she turns around and sees jonathan there and they have their confrontation in the house they break stuff um they chase each other around not really jonathan chases ellen around <laughs> and then they go yeah. outside uh, up a hill under the train tracks where jonathan is hit by a carlson train and dies very gruesomely yeah they sh- that death was also like it was funny though kind of it was, graphic it was graphic but it was like very clearly like this meat puppet type of a thing yeah <laughs> you know so it was like like it was just kind of bouncing up and down yeah. while the train was going atop his body yeah but and then i don't know for before before okay <laughs> sorry before jonathan um is revealed to be in the house with her she's at the window seeing the carlson trains go by and mm-hmm. a tear runs down her eye as if she makes the connection like oh this must be why he did it. You know? Do you remember so, that? Okay, so maybe he has a... You think this is more of a personal vendetta than him wanting to... Well, I'm saying I don't know, and the movie doesn't make it clear, but, like, Sean Young clearly she knows was... the motivation because she sees the Carlson train it going by the crying. window and is like, it all makes sense now. Like, she has that, like, you know mindset or visual delivery it made sense to her it didn't make sense to me (laughs) is what i'm trying to say but anyway he's dead she's alive and then uh after the accident you pan over to that window of the broken house and there's him as a little boy looking out the window again and then ghost or something yes and then yeah (laughs) and it kind of the camera just keeps on zooming into this little boy's face yeah and then credits yeah it's really lame (laughs) so that was the new ending that they rushed through because the original one tested so poorly so i think that's probably why partly that that body that got hit by the train looks so bad is because it probably was like built in you know 10 Mm. minutes and like hurry we gotta get something together come on gary let's make a let's make a body so in the in the book, the way it ends, it just I'm not gonna read like the entire ending. Well, first off, the character's name is Bud Corliss, which I think mm-hmm. was in the first movie. Yes, it was in the first movie. And then in the book they were the kingships rather than the Carlsons. Yes. So Corliss he ends up stumbling and falling into a vat of the copper, and that's how he dies. And that's what it made it sound like they were going to do. Which I would be interested in seeing that yeah. death as well. Because even the first movie kind of ends how the, this movie ends, where yes. he, he 
but instead Bud Corliss is just hit by a car, not a train. Right. Yeah, so the the way the original ends is that um, Ellen finds out about them. They're going to, like, the top of this quarry type of area where they're, like, mining for copper. And then um, Bud knows he's made, and he tries to push Ellen into uh, the way of a moving truck. The truck sees it, swerves out of the way to hit her, and hits him and knocks him into the quarry to die. Yes. So, yeah, very similar type of a... And yeah, ending to the original. Type of death. Um, but yeah, they definitely were leading into the whole concept of, you know, you're going to meet me at the factory. Yeah. And then that never happens, except for in the trailer. So, I don't know. We could have had two 1991 movies with, like, molten metal deaths. Yeah. <laughs> this and T2. Um, but we didn't. T2 is obviously the better death, even. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else really to say about this. Oh, just more. Yeah, I know. Just more about the book. So the Corliss character, he, you know, he marries the one sister, gets her pregnant, you know, has her killed. He kills her. So he moves on to the next sister. Mm Ellen. Ellen. And he is about to marry her, and but, you know, it's very similar how the first movie is. She's more of a detective. She, she does find out that he killed Dorothy. And he confesses that, yes, I killed your sister Dorothy. He kills Ellen. Okay. And then there's a third sister. Okay, in the book there's a third sister. In the sister. book. Okay. And he ends up marrying that one. Huh. And, but then, you know, his death is by falling into a vat of copper. So I don't know why they didn't show, like, the uh, third sister. Probably or second time death. constraints, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess. You know, if you're trying to make a quick and easy movie, then you don't want to, like, repeat the same thing, like, a couple times. I don't know. So, that's that, I guess. I think the only other thing that we might want to mention is, you know, we talked about the Suspiria reference at the beginning. There also was a Vertigo reference. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. They're showing it on TV, and then, mm-hmm. like, uh, she gets the call about Patricia. I forget exactly what the revelation was. Um, they use like the same type of camera moves and do like a vertigo shot where they're pulling away from the door frame and then, you know, zooming into her. Um, and then she drops a cup of coffee because of some sort of, uh, revelation that happens in the movie. I don't even remember which one it was, but yeah, that's, that's basically the, uh, the extent of the worthwhile directing (laughs) from James Dearden is references to other movies. Or what seems to be. Um, other cast and crew worth mentioning, I guess, real quickly. Um, we talked about James Dearden. He was uh, nominated for Fatal Attraction um, for the Oscar. Uh, he only wrote that movie. He did not direct it. Um, he also did movies called Diversion, The Cold Room, and Piscali's Island. Didn't do anything much of note after this. Uh, we talked about Ira Levin. Howard Shore did the score. 
we'll talk about him probably a bunch. He's the composer for other bunch of movies. Um, Naked Lunch, we'll see him. Uh, as well as Silence of the Lambs, I think he did some composing for that as well. I just want to mention this because I think people who see this movie will know who this person is more than we will. But I wanted to at least shout her out, I guess. Okay. Um, after Dorothy's death, there's a reporter that's on screen mm-hmm. uh, that they're watching in the diner. Uh, that's a person played by Lachelle Carl, uh, who people will probably recognize and say, Oh, that was Trinity Wells from Doctor Who and Torchwood. Oh, okay. I'm like, I, we don't watch those shows. Okay. But, you know, other people will. So if you think that's who that was, you were right. <laughs> um, also, she plays Muck in Bob the Builder. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about the P.I. character at all. We didn't really talk about uh, Corliss's mom. I mean, that's Diane Ladd. Yeah, Diane Ladd plays the mother. Uh, Oscar nominated in 1991 for Rambling Rose. Um as well as Golden Globe nomination. Uh, she was nominated for Wild at Heart and Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore as well. She won a Golden Globe for the Alice TV show. So, yeah, very accomplished actor. Doesn't have she, much to do. She was barely in that movie, but... She, I she like, lends... I mean, the actors have credibility behind them. They just didn't do yeah, anything. Yeah, they didn't... I feel like none of them cared. No. Um, Which they were like, okay, they were probably like all required to make this movie as part of their contracts <laughs> or something, and they were like, okay, fine. I don't, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, we didn't talk about the the PI character Don, Dan Corelli, James Russo, but we'll talk about okay. him again more because he's in three other 1991 movies, and we can maybe bring him up. Um, there was one scene, okay, at the beginning with uh, the Castle House where she's talking to this young boy named Mickey. Yeah. That guy is Frederick Kohler, who is in Kate and Alley. Yeah, that's, as, I was like, I have seen this person. Yeah, the, I forget Kate and Alley, does, were there multiple sons or was he the only son in that? Oh, it's been a while. No, he's like the main I kid. They, he's the main kid yeah, in that. Yeah, I thought Kate he's also and Mr. Alley. Mom. Was they both like one of them had? I remember watching Kate and Allie a lot. I used to really like it. Yeah, then it just disappeared from TV. So So it's anyway. They're just you know they're two divorced women, but I thought they both had. Okay, I think one had a daughter and one had a son, and he was he was the son of one of the women. Okay, that makes sense. That's what I'm trying to think of. Because I don't know if they both had sons. I know they both were two friends from college or whatever they were both divorced women that decided to live together in a house with their children and i knew that they both had at least one kid i'll trust you because it's been (laughs) i know yeah but yeah Um, he was the son of one of either kate or ellie i can't remember now yeah he was also in mr mom and he was also the son of jk simmons's character in oz Oh, okay. <laughs> for a few episodes. Uh, the guy, the the uh, law clerk guy, uh, that was Tommy Roussel was the character name, played by Ben Browder. He was in a bunch of Farscape episodes and also uh, Stargate SG-1 after uh, the guy who played MacGyver left. Okay. So he's, he's a big whatever. He studied acting in London under Judy Dench at one point and then as a he... visiting teacher. He uh, 
made this movie. And then we made this movie and went on to, to do a bunch of sci-fi stuff. Similar movies. Yeah. And the last person I want to mention really quickly is Joy Lee, who played uh, Ellen's best friend and co-worker at the Castle House, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Because this is probably one of the only non-Spike Lee movies that she's in. Mm. Um, so she's the sister of Spike Lee, and she acts in virtually every single movie uh, that Spike Lee made. Uh, also co-wrote Crooklyn with him and wrote some episodes of the She's Gotta Have It TV version. Um, so, uh, yeah, decent actress, but just doesn't do much outside of um, working with her brother. Awards talk. Oof. There is a couple things to mention here. <laughs> <laughs> One is uh, this movie is a two-time Razzie winner. Okay. For Sean Young. She won Worst Actress for playing The Twin Who Survives and Worst Supporting Actress for The Twin Who's Murdered. Is that how it's credited? Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that's how it's credited in the Razzie nomination. Yeah, the, yeah, so they don't even say the Dorothy or Ellen. It's no. just the, the twin that is alive. <laughs> the twin the who twin survives and the twin horrible. who's murdered. So she won, she she won, won two both. Razzies, both for Worst Actress and Worst Supporting Actress. Wow. I mean, I agree. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I do. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing to mention is MTV Movie Awards. Oh, wow. It's another one of these things where uh, it's not an official category, but it was one of those like montages as they go to commercials or whatever. Um, it was part of the best death scenes montage. But I don't know which death scene they're referencing. Oh, to. maybe the first. The, Probably the first, the first one. sister going through maybe the... the train. Mm, it's tough not... to say. I wish if anybody out there has like a copy of the, of movie the 1992 awards, MTV movie awards, they can like you know pass it along. We can to probably us. let us know. YouTube Email it, us. but I don't know. I looked for it. I couldn't find any reference oh, of it. Yeah. I, I I looked for those specific sections. I but used I, to, I can't find it. I used to tape things from. Yeah, I did MTV too. a lot, but I don't those, think I would have. Those taped seats this are gone. One. I wouldn't. I never taped. Uh, the MTV Movie Awards. I used to maybe Music Awards, but not the Movie Awards. Oh, yeah, I might have taped it at some point, but maybe not. So probably not this early on. Yeah, I, not, I, since I was this was the young. first one, maybe not this one. I was like too young to maybe know how to like set up a VCR and you know sit, timer and all that stuff. Oh no, I learned quick. Okay. I don't I don't know what I was doing in ninety one. I don't I, I know was, I was lucky enough to have my own T V and VCR. I was room. more of making like mixtapes and stuff than like really recording all I did was like press record on the VCR if we wanted but I don't know about like timing things. Yeah. At this I can teach you. Time if you, if you really want to know I can teach <laughs> go you. back thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's all I got for awards and whatnot. So time to move on to true crime pop culture. Well, the true crime that I have is basically comparing the book to this movie, which I already did. Oh, I thought you were going to maybe mention Robert Wagner. Because mm, Robert Rag- Wagner was not in this. I, I always try to just correlate something that happened that correlates with this movie specifically, the okay. 1991 one. Like, I don't want to go all the way back to the 50s or the, the 50s 70s and... or 80s. Like, I could talk about that, but that's like a... 
Yeah, if, you he, want... if he was in this 1991 if movie, he did like a cameo. Yeah, I yeah, would yeah. have talked about it, but yeah. since he was not, I'm not going to talk about it. But yeah, if you're interested, look it up. Yeah. <laughs> Google Robert Wagner. Allegedly. Yes. So, I mean, that was my major true crime was that this movie was made. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I just wanted to compare it to the book because the book sounds interesting and I'm curious to read it. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I found that happened on this day... April 26, 1991, was that Carmine Coppola died of a stroke. Mm. And Carmine is the father of Francis Ford Coppola. Oh. Well, that's too bad. We had a Coppola in this movie, too. He played the one of the, the detective that visited them in New York. Mm. Sam Coppola. And I believe he, he, did, he was 80 years old. Okay. Um, moving on to the music again. Top... Yeah. charts Pop top songs yeah. we have new songs all right one of them we mentioned back in doc hollywood days uh-huh. <laughs> so several weeks ago but the top u.s song as of april 26 1991 was amy grant's baby baby okay <laughs> yeah i used to love that song a lot of people did. It played everywhere. It was very yeah. poppy, and then you found out that she was a Christian singer after that. Yeah, it was that. like one of those things where, yeah, she had a big, big hit, and like, oh, she's a Christian artist? Yeah. I didn't know. Or like, almost like Shania Twain, it's like, oh, you're a country artist? Right. It wasn't fully obvious at the time, mm-hmm. the first hit. The top song in the UK was Chesney Hawks, The One and Only. Yeah, there's your Doc Hollywood. (laughs) So that song was number one before Doc Hollywood was even released. Wow. I I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be made for the movie. But yeah. So they used that song, the number one song in the UK. So it could have been number one in the box. It could have. Yeah, it probably could have been. And the number one song, the number one R&B song at that time was Tony, 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 Whatever You Want. I don't know that one, I don't think. Me neither. This is like pre... Pre-knocking the boots? <laughs> That's not... <laughs> is that not them? Knock... They don't do knocking the boots. They do loot. Loot. That's what I'm thinking of. And, you know, obviously anniversary. <laughs> They're both oot. They, they had an oot. <laughs> they didn't do knocking boots. I thought they did knocking the boots. Tony, Tony, Tony they, is not. Loot is loot is definitely the song I was thinking of. So, <laughs> they're I'm not a, that level. And then, cute a uh, little side note is that I saw Tony, Tony, Tony open up for Janet Jackson in 1994. Hmm. That went fun. It was a good. <laughs> it was a good show. Did they do knocking the boots? No, they didn't. <laughs> okay. So on to TV. This week for April 26, 1991 was the premiere of Dinosaurs. It was part of the TGIF lineup. It was Full House. Then the very first episode of Dinosaurs. Wow, in April? Yeah. That's weird. Which is weird, yeah. 
and then Family Matters and Perfect Strangers, obviously. And then I tried to look up SNL again for this weekend, and they did not do an SNL episode for this weekend. We'll find one. There was one before this one and one after. So I mean, Dinosaurs is good One day. Yeah, it was the premiere of Dinosaurs. That was such a... I need to watch it again at some point, but I remember it being such a much Big better it. show than like I don't know. It was self-referential and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was a better show than like all of the other sitcom fodder around it. Right. Because it was like a parody of that, but still, a, you know, whatever. I don't know if and it still holds up or not. And, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it since it's been on. So. Yeah, it's been a long time. Moving on to rankings and ratings. So, on your one to five star scale, where would you put A Kiss Before Dying? I am giving this movie a one. Is it your first one? No, this is my third one. It's your third one? Man, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just not, I'm not remembering it all. It's your, third, it's your first third run. <laughs> my first third one. I'm going to say this is... My first, I'm going to put this below my other two ones. This is, <laughs> this this is, is your wor- least favorite this of all. This is my least favorite movie season. that we've seen so far. I, 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 like, I honestly would put other people's money over this one, like, slightly. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, though. I mean, I, on my zero to four star scale, it's not a zero, but it's a half star. Okay. Like, it's... It could have been worse. It just wasn't... It, there's just not much here redeeming whatsoever. I'd say, like, if I were doing the 1956 movie, that would probably be, like, a one, one and a half. I, I'm, I like that it's one. It's still not and that I good, probably but it's definitely better three, than this. Because I was more interested. I was kind of into the story. I wanted to find out what really would happen to the sister and even, you know, Bud Corliss. Yeah, I think maybe not. It was more suspenseful. I was more interested. I this... guess seeing the story for the first time helps. I think if we would if we would have seen this first and then the 1956, I wonder how much different our perceptions would be. But I mean, the acting was terrible in the 56 original too. I thought I think... it was shot very blandly. It's um, yeah, it's no place in the sun. Right. Yeah, place in, if you're going to watch a movie of this type of subject matter, Place in the Sun yeah. is better. Um, but everything's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? <laughs> no. no. Yeah, I mean, there are bad movies that are worth watching again. Yeah. Um, really, beyond the opening scene, no. There's nothing worth watching again in this. Uh, but if you, for some reason, want to watch A Kiss Before Dying, as of this recording If you want to be tortured. If you want to be tortured. Um, if you want to watch some trains pass by your window, as of this recording in April 2021, it's available on HBO, VHS, DVD, no digital rental. But as always, check your local listings, because that could change. Um, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms please remember to rate review subscribe tell your friends give us the 1992 movie reward awards <laughs> copy yeah if um, someone has a vhs copy of the 1992 movie awards send it along you can email us i will gladly watch it you can email us at 1991 movie rewind at gmail.com 
Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of 800-plus movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're finally breaking the cycle and watching a movie that doesn't have dead or dying in the title. We're going to be watching He Said, She Said, which is available on HBO, digital rental, VHS, and DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks.